0: Well, the Zags kept playing with fire to start out the WCC slate. And against LMU on Thursday, they finally got burned. So what happens now? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga basketball. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, the Zags had kept looking like they might drop a game in WCC play. The streaks, the so many streaks that Gonzaga has managed to maintain against lower quality opponents at home, et cetera, et cetera, all finally came crashing to an end. It looked like Gonzaga might do it again. The cardiac zags came, I think they were down seven in the final two minutes, came all the way within two, looked like they had an opportunity. Of course, we're down one in the final seconds, just like they were against BYU just like they were against the University of San Francisco. But there were no heroics on Thursday night as Gonzaga couldn't get a final shot off. Drew Timmy had his shot blocked by Rick Asanza, who had a fantastic game defensively for LMU. Julian Strother's desperation three didn't come close, and the Zags unfortunately fell. For those of you who are not able to watch the game and are just waking up to this result uh, and maybe didn't hear the broadcast talk extensively about the Many streaks that unfortunately came to an end. Here are a few of them. LMU had not beaten Gonzaga at all, period, since 2010. That was my sophomore year in college. 13 years ago is the last time LMU even beat Gonzaga at all. Uh, The more impressive and distressing streak to see come to an end, Gonzaga had not lost to LMU in Spokane since 1991. Many of you listening to the show were not born in 1991. That is a staggeringly long time, well before Mark V was the head coach at Gonzaga, well before the tournament streak. This was shortly after LMU's tremendous run of success with Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. I think this is the year after Hank Gathers passed away uh, at the Child Center at the University of Portland. Uh, So a really, really long streak to come to an end. Of course, Gonzaga's 75-game home winning streak is over the longest recorded streak uh, in modern college basketball history. They had recently broken that streak uh, that had been previously held by Arizona. They extended the streak to 75, and it is now where it sits uh, until somebody else, perhaps the Zags again, but until somebody else is able to break that record. Uh, The Zags were 100 in Quad 2, Quad 3, and Quad 4 combined victories since the net rankings came out in the 2018 season, so that streak also comes to an end. All streaks are going to come to an end eventually. The Zags, of course, have the opportunity to start those streaks over again. But this was a really, really tough game, and it was a culmination of so many of the issues we have seen Gonzaga have from the very get-go of this season. And I think we've had conversations about how this team is battle-tested, how maybe some of these, these tough losses will help them in March and how going down on the road against you know decent teams when you're having to fight back and crawl back and find a way to win – Is a skill that you want a team to have going into March, but at the end of the day, you want your team to figure out how to not be getting down in those games, and some of the things that Gonzaga has continually done this season put them in situations to lose, and they're not making adjustments, and that is what is so frustrating to me. Yes, Drew Timmy had an awful game. Julian Strother had an even more awful game. When your two best players have bad games, you're susceptible to lose. Drew Timmy had 17 points, but he was five of 12 from the field. He was seven of 12 from the free throw line. He had four turnovers. And quite frankly, he just never looked comfortable. Drew Timmy's entitled to a bad game. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Do I think that this is like the beginning of the end of Drew Timmy? Absolutely not. No, he's probably going to rebound and have a monster game against Pacific. If he has a a continued prolonged streak of ineffectiveness we'll have to start having some conversations at that point but drew timmy's allowed to have a bad game it happens it was frustrating to happen in this game against a team that didn't seem equipped to handle him defensively but shout outs to rick asanza who had a great game shout out to michael graham who almost had a double double coming off the bench as lmu's backup center their their players played well but drew timmy when you have a bad game like that this has been the issue for gonzaga all year long is who's going to step up in those situations and, and part of the conversation that has been kind of happening over the last week or so is well. Multiple guys could step up. It could be Malachi Smith. It could be Julian Strother. It could be Ristair Bolton. The problem with that strategy is it might not be anybody. You need somebody who can consistently do it. The Zags don't have anybody who can consistently do it. Julian Strother was horrible in this game. He had six points on one of eight shooting. It was one of his worst games since becoming a key contributor. That cannot happen in a day that drew Timmy's bad. And if that happens, somebody else needs to step up. Rasir Bolton had 10 points, but eight of them were in the first few minutes of the game, and he was basically a non-factor after that. Malachi Smith, everybody's been singing his praises after that fantastic performance against Portland. 22 minutes, four points. This is what Malachi Smith has been this season. He is inconsistent. We cannot be relying on him to be a guy who's going to give you 15 or 20 off the bench every night because he's not going to be that guy. Now, Nolan Hickman, he had a nice game. And he deserves some praise. There's not a lot of players on Gonzaga's roster who deserve praise after this game, quite honestly. Nolan Hickman does. 12.6 assists, one turnover, five of nine shooting. He was great. He facilitated the offense well. He didn't force anything. He didn't make too many mistakes. He had a good game. Now, he's not, a, he's not Andrew Nembhard or Jalen Suggs in the sense that he's not a guy that you can just send downhill and say, hey, we need a bucket right now. Go get it. He might become that guy. In fact, I think that he will become that guy. I really think we're starting to see signs of him becoming a more aggressive offensive catalyst, but he's not that guy right now. And he didn't come into the season really expecting to have that role. Drew, Timmy, Julian Strother, the Bolton, they're supposed to be the one, two, and three scorers. Them all three having poor offensive nights puts a lot of strain on the rest of Gonzaga's scores. And Nolan was the only one who really responded positively as an offensive player. Anton Watson was fine. He was fine, but that's not really his role either. Uh, it was just one of those things where nobody seemed to step up. It was a listless, quiet, just kind of going through the motions performance, and it bit him in the butt. Uh, and then the last thing I really want to talk about, and I've been harping this point so consistently on the podcast, but now, I mean, we're sounding the alarms levels of where the hell is Hunter Salas? Why is he not playing extensive minutes in the second half of this game? I know part of the reason was foul trouble. I understand that he committed a third foul. He came out of the game and that kind of was it. But we're talking at the very end of this game. In the final four minutes, when all LMU was trying to do was burn as much clock as possible, Gonzaga is sitting back and letting Cam Shelton, who was a monster in this game, shout out to Cam Shelton, 27 points, he beat Gonzaga, he did it. He ended a 30-year streak of LMU not winning a game in Spokane basically by himself. He was fantastic in this game, and he deserves that credit. But at the end of the game, why Gonzaga has the best perimeter defensive guard they've had since maybe Errol Knight, maybe ever on this team. And he's not playing at the end of the game. Malachi Smith's a fine defensive player. I'm not trying to bag him necessarily, but what's he even doing at the end of the game here? Hunter Salas had seven points in 12 minutes on three of four shooting. Malachi Smith had four points in 22 minutes, and you're telling me that he's the player who deserves to be on the floor at the end of the game in defensive situations? when specifically what Gonzaga needs is a high-level on-ball defensive player to either force Cam Shelton to get rid of the basketball or put pressure on him so he can't just sit there, wait 27 seconds, and then hit a nice shot. That's what he kept doing. Again, some of those shots were well-contested, and he just knocked them down. Maybe that would have happened if Hunter Salas was on there, but I can't believe we're going into this game watching LMU build a lead in the final few minutes without our best perimeter defensive player on the floor. It doesn't make any sense to me. If Hunter Salas was completely useless or anemic offensively, maybe you could understand the argument, but he's not. He wasn't in this game. He hasn't been for a while. He's not a great offensive player. He's probably not as good of an offensive player night in and night out as Malachi Smith. But in this game, he was. And more importantly, they needed him to play defense and they didn't have him out there. And I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I give Drew Timmy a pass for having a bad game. Julian Strother has been frustrating this year with the inconsistencies. But for me, coaching played a huge factor at the end of this game. And specifically, not playing Nolan Hick, excuse me, not Hunter Salas, not playing Hunter Salas towards the end of the game, him picking up a fourth foul, you're going to live with that. That's okay. You can live with him picking up a fourth foul. Living with Cam Shelton continuing to score on you at the end of the game when you're not putting your best defensive player out there is. Honestly, completely baffling to me and a frustrating sign of what might be to come this season. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment. Gonzaga's loss not only ended a plethora of streaks for the program, it impacts this team's seeding in the NCAA tournament and what might happen for the rest of the WCC slate. We're going to take a look at that. But first, today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are fully back in action while the NFL playoffs are just now getting underway. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still any patents still. Locked on Zags. I want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players locked on college basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, well, let's talk ramifications here. We can't do anything about the result on Thursday as much as many of us would like to do. Uh, The Zags did lose. That is a fact. That is what happened. It's going to impact their seeding in March. It's going to impact their rankings in the AP poll, and it's going to give a lot of teams a blueprint who already had a blueprint watching the BYU game, watching the San Francisco game, watching the Santa Clara game, a blueprint for for where Gonzaga's weak points are and, and kind of ways to potentially attack them. For Gonzaga not making some of the adjustments they need to make or not perhaps having the personnel or the ability to make some of those adjustments is going to continue to impact them. Uh, We'll talk about that more, but for right now, the immediate impacts, obviously Gonzaga is going to drop in the AP poll. Uh, They've been kind of creeping back up towards the top five, uh, back in the top 10, back towards the top five. That's probably out now. Uh, My suspicion is they'll fall into the 15 to maybe even 20 range, hopefully not quite that far. Uh, Ken Palm dropped them down to 14. That's a outright, I think, uh, and, I, and I know some fans might see this team and think, well, they, they, they even deserve to be that high. And college basketball is in, in a weird spot right now. There's, a, there's not a lot of great teams. There's a lot of kind of mid-level teams. Uh, So I I think a four loss Gonzaga team with a win over Alabama, with a win over Xavier, with a win over Kentucky, who's an inconsistent team, but generally not a bad team, a win over Michigan State. Like I still think that they're a top 15, top 20 team in the country. At least they should be by the rankings. You can have a different argument about whether they deserve to be in that conversation just in terms of how they've been playing lately. And that's reasonable. That's understandable. But for right now, I think they're 14, 15, somewhere in that range. Uh, And I expect them to kind of maintain that spot in the polls. Earlier this week, two of the big conversations we had on this podcast were about Gonzaga's ability to potentially run the table and go undefeated for the rest of the season, which is obviously out uh, for for now, at least out at that time. I guess they could do it from here on out. Uh, And then part of the conversation was was what it might take for Gonzaga to get a number one seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. I think that's out. I think that that Gonzaga losing to LMU basically just solidified that uh, a number two seat is perhaps within the realm of possibility. Although uh, I think that is also pretty unlikely. Gonzaga would have to go undefeated from here on out. And I guess part of the, part of the consternation there and part of what I talked about on those podcasts was this is all predicated on Gonzaga not losing another game. And we're, <laughs> there's not a lot of indication that that might happen. They still haven't played St. Mary's. They got two against them coming up. They got another one at BYU. They got another one for San Francisco, another one, at Santa Clara. Hey, they got another one against LMU. Like they got a lot uh, of teams coming up that have played them. Well, have found the blueprint that seems to work for them and, this Gonzaga team hasn't proven that they can fix some of those issues. They haven't proven that they can find shooters on the perimeter, especially in transition. They haven't proven that they can consistently defend the pick and roll night in and night out. They haven't proven that somebody else can step up as a scorer on games that Drew Timmy is struggles. They haven't proven any of that. And they got a lot of games left where other teams are going to try to exploit those weaknesses. They know the blueprint, like I said. So we'll kind of see how that shakes out in terms of March Madness seeding. Obviously, you know, it's mid-May or it's mid-May. It's mid-January. So we still have about two months until we really get into the, the until we actually see what the bracket's going to look like and, and where Gonzaga is going to be right now. The latest report came out from Joe Linardi, uh Friday morning shortly after Gonzaga's loss. Uh, has the Zags as a three seed playing in Denver. In that region, Uh, they'd be playing, which would be very fun for me personally, for those of you who know, uh, they'd be playing the number 14 seeded Seattle U, uh, the winner of in this bracket, at least the winner out of the WAC, a team that is currently undefeated in the WAC and has been playing extremely good basketball. My also my graduate school alma mater. So seeing Gonzaga versus Seattle U in an NCAA tournament game would be pretty cool for me in that sense. Uh, And I know a lot of other people who have similar ties to to both universities Uh, in this bracket. Purdue is the number one. Uh, And Iowa State jumped up to being that number two. So they kind of took over Gonzaga's spot on the number two line. Arizona also jumped back up onto the number two line in this latest bracket as well. Last thing I want to talk about here, again, kind of alluding to the fact that Gonzaga's got some more games coming up. Uh, I'm not sure Gonzaga's going to beat St. Mary's. And I'm not sure Gonzaga's going to beat St. Mary's more than once at all. Quite honestly, they got three games against them most likely, at least two guaranteed, one at home, one, of course, in Moraga. Then they'll probably face them in the WCC tournament, assuming both these teams uh, finish in the top two in the conference seating and get that double bye uh, to get into that championship game or towards that championship game, I should say. But LMU really cemented the last five minutes of the LMU game, I think painted a picture of exactly what Randy Bennett and St. Mary's is going to try to do. And Gonzaga let LMU do it. I hope, I believe in some capacity that Mark Few and the staff are going to have a different strategy going into the LMU, or excuse me, going into the St. Mary's game. But Cam Shelton and LMU, what they were able to do in the last five minutes of this game was burn significant clock. They had a lead. They were able to just wait and wait and wait and Cam Shelton had the basketball and nobody was forcing him to get rid of the basketball he could hold on to it for 28 seconds if he wanted to he'd get a high ball screen if he got the switch on Drew he would try to take Drew to the basket if he didn't get the switch or even if he did he would try to take a shot he had a nice three over Malachi Smith that was well contested I remember that shot and I was like that was not necessarily Malachi's fault that's just a nice shot from a really talented young guard but Gonzaga is just not doing anything to prevent those teams from doing that. St. Mary's does not want to shoot in the first 25 seconds of the shot clock. They've been like that forever. That's not new. It's not different, and it's not going to be different. That's what they're going to do. They also have a really talented team. Really ta- really talented. Aiden Mahaney, freshman guard, one of the best young players this team has had in a really long time. Getting Patty Mills and Tommy Cousy comps already. He's 20 games into his collegiate career. He dropped 20 points on nine shots against San Diego State. He had 25 points in a game recently. Hacked the WCC Freshman of the Year Award like it was the Chet Holmgren Award last year. It's the Aiden Mahaney Award this year. He is that good. And if Gonzaga is going to just let let St. Mary's guards do what they let LMU's guards do and just hold on to the basketball and take time off the clock and still get into a pick and roll situation where they can get a good look. I don't see how Gonzaga wins that game. They have to do something different. A lot of what happened in this game that could have hurt Gonzaga more was the fact that LMU's not that good of a team. They missed open shots. They had opportunities in transition that they didn't capitalize. Cam Shelton dribbled the ball off his foot at least three times in this game. St. Mary's probably not going to do that stuff. They're also light years better defensively. LMU played well on that end of the floor, but St. Mary's is better. They're better on that end of the floor. They're they're more cohesive as a unit. They're better at forcing turnovers. They're a good rebounding team. They're going to take advantage here, and for me – They're going to watch that LMU tape just like any team would do. They're going to watch the BYU tape, and they're going to see like, oh, this team can't defend the perimeter in transition. They're not an aggressive defensive team in the half court, and they're they're not good at defending the pick and roll. They're also overly reliant on Drew Timmy offensively, and they're going to just pound the ball to him. The outside shooters are not consistent. Like, there's a really easy recipe for St. Mary's to not just win these games, but win them handily, and that might happen. The way that Gonzaga played against LMU, the way that Gonzaga played for 38 minutes against BYU, 39 and a half minutes against San Francisco, if they play like that against St. Mary's and St. Mary's brings it the way they have, they're going to roll to a victory. They really are. They're that good of a team right now. And Gonzaga is going to have to make an adjustment. And I don't know what, and I don't know why we haven't seen some of those adjustments yet. Maybe it's more Hunter Salas. I've been calling for that for a long time. Maybe it's uh, more reliance on somebody else offensively. Maybe they're trying to get Julian into different situations, maybe posting him up, uh, maybe getting him more creative looks. Maybe they're trying something different with Malachi Smith. Like there's other options. There's other things that they can do besides just getting the ball down the court, getting the ball to Drew Timmy and kind of standing around and hoping that he can score because that hasn't been working. And it puts a lot of pressure on on him. And when he doesn't have his best game, it feels like Gonzaga doesn't have a chance to win. And that's not fair to him because he's not going to be perfect every single game. Uh, and it's not it, it's, a, it's a tough situation for Gonzaga to say, well, if Drew's not not stepping up, then somebody else will. We just don't know who on a night-in and night-out basis. That's really challenging. It's not a good way to run a team. And I, I don't think that that's what the staff wants. I think they want somebody to step up and be that guy uh, who's, who's the, the, num- the clear number two. But that person hasn't stepped up. Julian Strother's six points on one of eight shooting. That cannot be what your number two guy does. It cannot be what your number two guy does. So for Gonzaga, they have some answers, some questions they need to answer fast because St. Mary's is coming up and they got an opportunity to, you know, to help help their resume significantly and, you know, potentially kind of ease some of those concerns by going out and beating St. Mary's. But St. Mary's is looking at this going, man, this is a game we could win by a decent amount. We could really put the Bulldogs to rest and beat, the, beat them by 15 points, and kind of cement ourselves, get ourselves in the rankings, which they clearly deserve. And there's a pretty clear blueprint. And unless Gonzaga makes adjustments, that's what I'm fe- that's what I fear is going to happen when these two teams face each other. However, that's not this weekend. <laughs> Saturday, the Zags are heading to the Bay Area, but they're not playing St. Mary's. They're playing the University of Pacific Tigers on the road. Uh, This is a team that beat LMU earlier this year, so the Zags could be in trouble once again. We're going to talk about that in the final segment. Before we do that, though, a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you have got to try a built bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You have got to try built with built. Healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious. You won't even think they're good for you. They're perfect for your new year's resolution. What makes a built bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in hundred percent real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Bilt Bars at Bilt.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bilt Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs today. All right, segment three, still any patent? still locked on Zags. We're going to wash our hands of the LMU loss as much as we can. That one's going to sting for quite a while, uh, quite honestly, I know that. But we're going to do our best to move on, look towards the next game for Gonzaga, which is a road tilt against the Pacific Tigers Saturday at 7 p.m. As the first time Gonzaga has played Pacific in Stockton since 2021, they did not play them there Last year, uh, the last time they played them again back in that 2020-2021 season, I think they won by about 25 points. That is typically how the game between these Zags and the Tigers ends up going. We hope that is, of course, the situation here again for the Bulldogs. And uh, what's helping their cause out is that Pacific is, is pretty bad. <laughs> They're not a good basketball team. Uh, ten and eleven on the season. Ken Palm has them two hundred and twenty second, far and away the worst team in the WCC. Uh, only a few spots ahead of Oregon State, in case you want a reference point for a Power Five program that is in complete disarray in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, again, Pacific ten and eleven on the year. They're three and three right now in WCC play. They started the year out two and one uh, with a couple decent mid major victories and a pretty close loss to Stanford. I think the final score was like was. Ten points, it was 88-78, but it was a closer game than that throughout. So it was kind of like, okay, Pacific, they reloaded. They added a bunch of transfers. Now they've played a couple good games. They're looking like, hey, maybe maybe they're going to bring the bottom of the WCC up a little bit. Things went pretty much immediately sideways after that. They lost six of their next seven games. The only win in that stretch was against UC Davis. Uh, Losses in that stretch included Idaho. Not great. Northern Arizona, not great. Mount St. Mary's, not, not great. Cal Poly, those are bad losses. Four, those are four of their six losses in that stretch. Not good losses right there. Uh, so we're looking at a team that just is not winning the games they need to be winning. They don't really have any significant wins on the season. Uh, they have three league wins. Their best league win is against LMU, a team that Gonzaga failed to win to failed to defeat on Thursday. Uh, They also have wins over Pepperdine and San Diego. Uh, There are three losses in conference play. They have an 11-point loss to Santa Clara, which you can stomach, and then they have a 19-point loss to the University of San Francisco and a 20-point loss to BYU. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now is a team that has proven they can beat some of the lower-level teams in the WCC, played well enough to beat a decent LMU team, but got waxed pretty badly by teams that are closer to the top of the standings in the WCC. So again, Ken Palm, I mentioned 222nd in the country right now. Offensively, they are 170th defensively. 269th, well towards the back end of all Division I programs in terms of their overall adjusted defense uh, based on the Ken Palm rankings. Uh, tempo-wise, they're 65th, so this is a team that likes to get out in transition and run a little bit. It's been interesting to see how many teams have have had much more success running against Gonzaga than Gonzaga is used to allowing Gonzaga is usually the team that runs all over other teams. And and when teams attempt to get into a track meet with Gonzaga, it doesn't go very well. Now, we did see that against the Pepperdine in the first WCC slate uh, game of the season for the Zags. So perhaps uh, we'll see a similar situation with Pacific. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. This is a team that's averaging just under 75 points a game, so not a great scoring team. However, they are an efficient shooting team from beyond the arc. As a team, they're shooting 38.2%. So there's a team that can light it up from deep. uh, A team that likes to get out in transition, getting out in transition and shooting threes is a recipe to defeat Gonzaga. Quite honestly, it's what BYU did. Uh, They are a, a, a much better offensive team than uh, than Pacific, also a much better defensive team than Pacific. So that is a factor there. But BYU was able to get a lot of points by getting out in transition, having station, having shooters station themselves around the perimeter, and Gonzaga's defenders just looked like chickens with their heads cut off, running around trying to find an open shooter. Usually, Spencer Johnson could blend in. Get a wide-open look and knock it down. Pacific might attempt to do some of the same stuff, and they have the horses. They have the guys to knock down those open shots. The main player to keep an eye on for the University of Pacific Tigers, Keelan Boone. Transfer out of Oklahoma State. He's been their best player this year. Missed a few games with an injury, but when he's played, he's averaging just under 12 points per game, four and a half rebounds. He's only shooting about 43% from the field, so he's not a particularly efficient scorer. However, he is shooting about 37% from deep, so he's a knockdown shooter. Big bodied guard. He's like 6'6". He's like the second or third tallest player that is in in the rotation for Pacific, but he is much more of a guard. He's just kind of a a bulldozing guard who I think is going to cause some problems for the Bulldogs. Outside of that, Pacific doesn't really have another secondary scorer. They have four guys who are all averaging between 8.5 and 9.7 points per game. So you know, it'll be interesting to see who amongst that group potentially steps up. Uh, NAU transfer, Northern Arizona transfer, Luke Avdalovich is, is a player to keep an eye on because he's shooting 57.5% from three. Uh, it's about four attempts per game, so he's not a huge volume scorer necessarily, but he's a guy who's going to knock down a couple threes against the Zags. And if, if, if again, if Gonzaga's letting Pacific get out in transition, he's a player that somebody's got to keep an eye on because if he gets an open look, he's going to knock that down. Uh, Other couple guys, this is a team built heavily via the transfer portal. All of these top scorers came via some other program. Again, we mentioned Boone from Oklahoma State, uh, Avdolovic from NAU, uh, Jordan Ivy Curry is their guard, is one of their guards. He came from UTSA. He's averaging 9.3 points and shooting about 38% from deep. And then... The high major transfer from Georgetown from Patrick Ewing's program, that is Tyler Beard. Beard came from Georgetown playing here for LMU, or excuse me, for Pacific. Ten points, three assists per game. He is shooting 42.5% from deep. So again, Pacific's got some dudes who if they got some open looks around the perimeter, they're going to knock him down. So that's something for Gonzaga. Big issue for them all season long has been perimeter defense and particularly transition perimeter defense. You can see a recipe here where Pacific's got some pieces. Now, they are a bad, bad rebounding team and a bad defensive team. That's the biggest advantage that Gonzaga has. Gonzaga should be able to score 85 to 90 points on this team. Pacific's probably not going to top that. Maybe Pacific scores in the mid-70s. Maybe they score in the high 70s, uh, which is not great for Gonzaga and their defense, but if Gonzaga scores eighty-eight then they, they should secure a victory. Again, the Stanford score was 88 to 78. I kind of think that a similar score could be in the cards here uh, for the Zags on the road against Pacific in Stockton, California. Again, Pacific 308th in the country in rebounds per game. That is horrendous. They are also 298th in assists per game. So they're not a good distributing team. They're not a good rebounding team. They're not a particularly tall team. They don't have a single rotation player who is over six foot eight. So they're going to struggle to guard Drew, Timmy. They're going to struggle to rebound. They're not good at distributing the basketball, but they can shoot well from beyond the arc and they can get out in transition. Kind of makes for an interesting matchup. We'll see how this shakes out on Saturday. Uh, Again, it's a road, road matchup for the Zags. Pacific hasn't always been the the team that really brings it the way that BYU or even San Francisco or some of those teams bring it. Uh, but I bet they're going to be out there thinking, hey, this team just lost to LMU. It's been a long time since we beat Gonzaga. We would love to do it. Uh, and as long as the rankings haven't changed yet, it's still going to look like a, a win over a top-10 team uh, for Pacific. So I bet that place is going to be popping off as much as it can be, and they're going to be out there trying to secure themselves a victory because uh, it looks like Gonzaga's as vulnerable as they've been in the WCC in a really long time. All right, well, that is going to do it for me today uh, and for this week. Of course, enjoy your weekend, Gonzaga fans. Hopefully, we have more to celebrate after Saturday's game against Pacific. We'll be back on Monday with more content here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get podcasts, also available on YouTube. Go check us out there and hit that big red subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Uh, thank you all for listening, and despite coming off a loss, as always, go Zags.